0: Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely
1: brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mindenhall and Pete C. Carroll. And every Thursday, a new
0: episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So, this is what you have to do. Just follow The Ringer MMA Show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary.
2: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster
0: Sunday edition of the Ringer NFL Recap Show. Week one is in the books, except for Monday Night Football. I'm Nora Princiati, and I am here with Stephen Ruiz. We're going to break down all of Sunday's week one games. How are you feeling after one full day of football, Stephen? I'm
1: feeling good. I, it was a sloppy day of football, but like in a endearing way. And then I feel like Dolphins Chargers really saved the day. If without Dolphins Chargers, I might have been a little more down on what we just watched, but... I, I feel like after watching that, that was enough. It made up for the rest of the games. But the rest of the games were kind of rough to watch.
0: Uh, did you hear on all of the broadcasts that the weather on the East Coast these days is, is a little meh? I feel like we heard a lot about the rain, a lot about the slop, a lot about the field conditions, a lot about mist. Uh, Browns, Bengals, it was all about mist. But yeah, Dolphins, Chargers is where we're going to start tonight. They really held down the fort, gave us something to get excited about a game with seven lead changes i think the dolphins behind tua Tagovailoa's 466 yard performance three touchdowns one interception through 45 passes they win it 36 to 34 this was a really really exciting game steven what was your top takeaway
1: uh that these offenses are just never going to stop scoring apparently <laughs> uh, that that the Fangio-Staley revolution that was supposed to take over the league, the defensive revolution, isn't a thing anymore, I guess, because these, these defenses just couldn't stop anybody. And I thought, if you're both fan bases, I think you're encouraged by what you saw. Of course, the Chargers fans aren't going to want to hear that because this is another heartbreaking loss, and it's, they've seen enough of them over the years. But you saw what you wanted out of the offense, at least. Maybe Herbert not pushing the ball down enough, uh, down the field enough, but they had a run game. And them having a run game is new right. for them. It's It's been like two years since they've had one where they could just rely on getting four yards per carry on first and second down. And they were getting even more, to, more than that. And on the other side, like the dolphins were back to what we saw, like at the beginning at the, the middle part of the year last year, where the middle of the field is just wide open for them to which could just throw in there whenever he wanted. Tyree killed Jalen Waddle Tyree kill I, I guess Whoever. he's going to be fast forever. Is he just going to be the fastest man in the NFL for the rest of his life?
0: Probably not, but he's fast right now.
1: Yeah, it's insane. He was just unstoppable. Whenever he got single coverage on the outside, Tua went to him and he he won on the route. And it just came down to whether Tua could get, get the ball to him or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is that it, for the Chargers defensive backs, it seemed like it came down to either pass interference. But you actually it's hard to get pass interference if you're not caught up to the guy. So either just like streaking down the field with five yards of separation or the best we can do is draw a penalty here. Let's stay on the Chargers offense for a second, though, because you mentioned they had 234 rushing yards. Austin Eckler had a great, great game. You seem to think that if you're a Chargers fan, this was this was really good news overall for the offense. But I'm curious what you saw from Justin Herbert in the passing game, because to me, it was not that it was was bad by any means. It just looked really Chargers-y. And yeah. we have famously swapped in Kellen Moore for Joel Lombardi, and we're still throwing six yards downfield, one at a time, a pop, which some of that is situational. Some of that is is the defense that they were going up against. And I don't think that it's, it's necessarily concerning, but it was just interesting to see how in the passing game, major differences from last year's offense were not obvious to me. What did you see? Well, I... <laughs>
1: I think that's by design. Maybe that. Wait. Maybe that's not the right way to say. Like it. it's a it's a trap. You're, no, you're just facing a Fangio defense, and like that's what Vic Fangio does. He doesn't let you throw the ball downfield. And I thought it was a good sign because they put up what was it, thirty four points? They scored, yeah. I think, three points a drive. Uh, yeah. I mean, they moved the ball. They they put points on the board. That's what an offense is supposed to do. If if. uh the Dolphins were taking away that short stuff and the Chargers still weren't pushing the ball downfield, then I would have had some concerns. But the fact that it worked, I think, is a good sign. And against that defense, the lack of explosives isn't a surprise.
0: That that makes sense to me. And they looked especially good, I thought, when they were working with a lot of tempo, which was nice to see. Yeah, It, it just is a reminder that sometimes the things that we spend all offseason talking about how massive their implications are going to be. Then you turn on the game on Sunday. It's, just <laughs> it's the sort same of thing. Like, There was a moment uh, the on the final drive where the Chargers didn't end up scoring. Um, and it was one of the. It was one of. I think it was the third down where Fangio did end up blitzing and and they got to Herbert. But it was like Herbert in a three and fourteen or something, and I was just like, oh. I've seen this game like 15 times before where it's just third down and Justin Herbert pulls something out of his ass, except then it didn't work, Um, which was an interesting wrinkle that they that the Dolphins defense pulled out at the end of the game, I thought, just because they had not been blitzing. But then on the final drive, they got to Herbert twice, um, which was after they'd forced an intentional grounding. Did you see Did you think that was just situational or what did you think of of? Vic's debut in miami other than the eight million rushing yards his defense gave up
1: i mean i i thought the defensive line at times like when it needed to looked good like at the end the chargers just couldn't block them and part of that was pressure part of that was i think it might have been a lack of kellen Moore not being able to adjust that quickly like they didn't have too much time to adjust and before that i guess it was third down oh no fourth down the last play of the game basically for the chargers i mean the the dolphins had blitzed the play before that, and they had taken a timeout. They had time to think about the play. They had time to work on a protection that was going to protect them in case they did send another blitz, and it just didn't happen. They had an instant pressure, no chance for Herbert to throw it downfield. So I I thought that was a little bit of a red flag, but the rest of the game I thought thought was fine. But it's hard to say because I thought both offenses just executed so well. Like, you could say whatever you want about, like, the Chargers defense, and I think, like, J.C. Jackson getting burnt all day is a bad sign, but I don't think any defense was slowing down with that passing game today. Yeah. And the Chargers, like, kind of made it difficult at times. They made two a throw into tight windows, and there were times when they could have gotten their hand on the ball, and they didn't, but, like, I don't know how you stop that. How do you stop Tyreek Hill from doing that?
0: I have absolutely no idea. This is not important or related but i need to get it off my chest even though i'm not really going to be able to articulate this the powder blues with the gold pants feel wrong for defenders to me everyone looks like they play offense in those uniforms
1: this this is like a borderline like old school football guy take right now are you saying like their their uniforms are too soft
0: i don't know they just look like. They look like they should play offense. (laughs) I know this doesn't make any sense. What are you suggesting? Looking at at JC Jackson wearing that that color combination, it is too... It just looks like a high school football... They're they're good uniforms. I like the uniforms. There's something about them that is like... like Offenses are kind of corny and defenses are cool. (laughs) And those uniforms are good looking, but they're sort of corny. And they don't they don't have like the slickness and the the cool factor for a lockdown cornerback. I just I don't so the- like no one no one is 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 doing Revis Island in those those uniforms.
1: I like the take. I don't know if I agree with it, but I like where your mind's at. To be
0: clear, I think it's wrong. So- like this makes objectively <laughs> no sense. I just know that I feel it in my heart. Like I was watching JC Jackson. And just going, this looks wrong. Like, this this doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't like it.
1: So I think they should go back to their Navy blue jerseys. They used to have those, like, 20 years ago. Go back to those. Fix the defense. Save Justin Herbert.
0: Profit. Love it. Okay. Right. Credit where you it's save due. Save the Chargers. Credit where it's due. Even in... if you, <laughs> Jersey colors aside... The chargers do kind of suddenly look like they might have a run defense. Now Miami wasn't really trying to run the ball that much, which, you know, if I could throw to Tyree kill at 20 yards, a pop, I probably wouldn't either, but 70 yards, three and a half per carry. That is a huge improvement off of what they were doing. The last time uh, we saw our fine friends on the chargers defensive line. So there's something to build on there certainly, but I I agree with you. This Miami offense I just don't I don't know what you do. I mean, when we saw them play last year, the answer was essentially to just like constantly be changing the look. Right. That Tua is getting pre-snap, post-snap. I wonder if it's just a little bit more experience under his belt in this system, a little bit more time getting up to speed with these receivers where that just doesn't work as well. But it did not seem like the Chargers were able to do anything that disrupted their timing, which is really the only way to to beat these guys because you are not going to outrun them.
1: Right. Yeah. I. I think it's we we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago on the pod where we talked about how Jonathan Taylor meant a lot to the Colts because of how their offense was set up. Like, the Dolphins don't need a run game that creates explosives. They had 17 explosive pass plays today. 17, that's insane. (laughs) They don't need that. They just need three yards to carry. They just need to avoid second and 10. They need to avoid third and 10. Right. And three yards does that for you. And I think if they have that, it's going to be harder for defenses to do things to take away those middle of the field throws that they like thrive on, but they had the blueprint last year and it didn't work this year. So I think that's a good sign going forward that the dolphins weren't found out. And I think that was a big question mark about their offense towards the end of last year when we saw those bad games, including the one in LA.
0: Right. I mean, credit where it's due tua has got some help. He's got a pretty, you know, that's a good situation he's got going on down there. But he was great. Um, even after, you know, he had the one pick, but he came back the following drive. Led the offense down the field, touchdown to Tyreek. I, I, I thought he looked really good. What did you think of Tua's performance?
1: No, he did. And he, he threw on the move. He threw downfield. There were, there were some like questionable passes, some like fluttering balls. He let some uh, hang up there. But I thought he was
0: good. I mean, he threw for 466 yards. Like, No, no I mean, point, yeah, of course he did. I know, like, I know, I know. They're very fast. But at a certain point, we got to just, it happened. We are, that's amazing. what I'm saying.
1: He he was very good. And he was like this last year. He was throwing for 400 yards in the middle of the year mm-hmm. last year. But I thought it looked different this year. I thought he, he was, the Chargers got some pressure on him.
0: And he was a little bit smoother, a little bit cooler in, in those situations. Right, yeah. yeah, I mean, I... I he just does, he just looks more comfortable. I think you've, you've got to figure that more time the way that his career started, obviously, and all the uncertainty of of whether or not they were actually committed to him. Uh, also, just going into year two with Mike McDaniel after everything that happened last year. It seems like and, you know, we'll see. It's it's as I'm sure we'll say 18 different times throughout this pod. It's only week one, but they just look if they're going to keep doing this, I do not know how you scheme things up to defend it. So it comes down to health and, you know, no huge self-inflicted errors.
1: And the defense. I want to see Jalen Ramsey in this defense. I think that changes a lot of things, especially for a Fangio defense. Uh, The ceiling's high. I'll say that.
0: It's really high. All right. Anything else from this game or should we get to winners and losers?
1: Uh, let's see winners and
0: losers. Let's take a quick break first, and then we will come back and talk about the rest of the slate.
1: Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. There's still time to sign up before Monday when the Jets play the Bills. In that game, I really like the Bills minus two, and I also like Stefan Diggs' anytime touchdown score at plus 135. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash ringerNFL and kick off the NFL season with an offer. You won't want to miss FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online, real money wager only. $10 $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023, no refunds terms and embargoes apply hundred dollars off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV, YouTube TV base plan is required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded.
0: All right. We are back and it's time for winners and losers because it's week one, because we missed all these teams so dearly. Stephen and I are going to do our best to make it through every single game on the slate, uh, except for Thursday night and, and Monday night, obviously, because that hasn't happened yet. But we're going to touch on everything. So Stephen, start us off with your first winner of the 2023 NFL season.
1: It feels kind of weird to call them a winner just because of the the injury bug bit him again but the baltimore ravens they went 25 to 9 they win in uh, todd munkin's first game as offensive coordinator the post greg roman error kind of gets off to a good start it was kind of shaky there were some flashes but this team didn't play any first team reps in the preseason like that's gonna matter and and lamar i think tweeted after that he was rusty and he he looked rusty but the run game worked uh odell made some plays a flowers looked amazing the defense looked really good at times, especially the pressures that Mike McDonald had. Uh, it, was, it was a good game for Baltimore, but not the the dominant game you wanted to see out of uh, Munkin's offense to start out.
0: Zay Flowers did look really, really good. Um, you know, Mark Andrews was inactive, but it seemed like he was at least for today in the wide receiver one role. And I thought it was interesting that they got him involved in the running game, too. He got two carries. What else did yeah. you notice about the earlier returns on the Munkin offense?
1: I think there's just more space for Lamar to kind of operate. He got outside the pocket more than he usually does. Uh, I think that's an overrated part of his game. People like tend to think he's a scrambler, but I think he likes to stay in the pocket and be a thrower. Uh, I think just the timing was off and you saw that, especially in the first half, they're very disjointed. The pass protection wasn't very good. Second half, they get in a rhythm. They have a couple of drives. Some penalties kind of took away their mo- uh, momentum, but it, it was a, it was a decent showing. I want to see better, but I thought D'Amico Ryan's like had a great game plan. Texans defense played fast, played hard. That's what you want to see out of them. But they made it hard uh, for Baltimore.
0: Yeah, it seemed like especially early, Lamar was getting a lot of pressure. Did they make any specific adjustments for the second half or did it seem like he just settled in? I think
1: he's just settled in like he hasn't played in 10 months. He looked like a quarterback hadn't played in 10 months.
0: (laughs) We might find ourselves saying that in, in a couple of cases here. But yeah, that makes sense. I think there were a lot of seems like there were a lot of um, sort of rust concerns. You know, we'll talk about the Bengals and stuff like that. But there were a few teams where I feel like today, more than in past years, it felt like the players and the teams that just didn't get a lot of work in August did come out slow or sloppy or, or just looking like they needed to get their feet under them.
1: But yeah, I, I think the story here is injuries again with Baltimore always is J.K. Dobbins it's so Achilles, sad. Ronnie Stanley, Linderbaum, Marcus Williams. It's never going to end. I just want to see this team healthy once for one year, and just just never happens.
0: Yeah, it's the the Dobbins one is just such a Achilles is a brutal injury, and it's just such a bummer because it's always a bummer with this team. I, I don't know if it's. I wonder if they have started to sort of think about things that have to do with health and player maintenance and all of that. But it, it just seems like a lot of it is just freak stuff. And it is crazy that they are this unlucky. I don't know That's, what else to say about it other than like, that.
1: This is one of the smart franchises. Like, yeah, you assume they're doing that work, that research and trying to prevent this. And it's just not helping. I, like, I don't know. I think it's just rotten luck at this point.
0: Ugh. All right. That was supposed to be a winner. I feel depressed. I know. CJ Stroud was good. Yeah. What did you think of him? I got to get that in. I thought he was poised
1: early on. It looked a little rough, but then third down, he got used to the, the pressure that Baltimore was sending. And it's what you wanted to see. I think at a, I think for Houston. And then Will Anderson, I thought may have been the best player on the field.
0: Oh, wow. Okay starting building
1: something.
0: Yeah. All right. My first, my first is also kind of like, a. well, they won the game. <laughs> it's the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Super Bowl participants trying to get back there, beginning their campaign with a 25, 20 win against the Patriots in new England on Tom Brady day. Um, where he went back and said lots of nice things and hung out and wore a jer- Jersey and everyone was very happy. Uh, <laughs> But it was an interesting game. The Eagles got out to a 16-0 lead early after uh, the Patriots turned the ball over twice. And it seemed like the Bill O'Brien era of the Patriots offense was going to get off to a horrible start. And then they kind of settled down and it started to look pretty good. And some of the guys like Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry started to get involved in the ways that I think people are hoping. They will be for this Patriots offense. And then the Patriots defense was really, really strong. Um, And you saw the Eagles really struggle against them and, and, and really have to work for it, but they still ended up with a win. Um, Still got to, you know, start the season one and oh, this game was probably more interesting from a Patriots perspective. Uh, just because their defense really does look legitimate and and they'd won so many games last year against teams with backup quarterbacks or or weird injury stuff or weird weather stuff. But this is a really, really good opponent. And they held him to one touchdown. Hertz was 22 of 33 for one seventy. Always got them in third down situations and and were really, really good situationally. The Eagles were four of 13 on third down. And that, that was basically, that was the game. Um, was just that they were able to consistently keep them in third and long. And it just seemed like it was very tough sledding against the Patriots defensive front. And then also Christian Gonzalez looks looks super legit. Um, he made a couple big plays and looks like he'll be a significant piece of this defense. Did you see much of this game, Stephen?
1: Uh, a little bit. I feel like with both of our games the losing team almost feels better than the winning team.
0: Yeah. I feel I good too. about New
1: England's defense after this one. And it, it felt like Philly kind of slept walk through this game whenever I saw it. I don't know. Did you get that sense?
0: Yeah, but I, I don't think, I think they just, I think they're just good. Um, right, and yeah. I think, I think the game plan was good too. I mean, it's, it's in some ways the Eagles, I think other than just from a pure talent perspective, they're a good matchup for the Patriots because they're a good matchup for belichick because they just sort of do what they do and that's especially at the beginning of the year when he gets to think about exactly how he wants to attack that um they seemed like they had a great plan to keep them in check hertz was pressured 19 times Uh, they just funneled him into the pocket as much as possible and then if he did try to escape often they would get him there but it also just seemed like it it was an uncomfortable situation for him to be in most of the time. Would you
1: say that was Belichick or like the rain? Or do you think it was a combination of both? Because I feel like if any coach is going to take advantage of the elements or think about that, it's going to be Belichick. Like he probably had that planned out. Like how
0: it didn't seem happen. like it was raining that hard. But Mac it, looked i looked pretty I'm good. Sh- yeah, it, yeah. Mac threw the ball like 54 times or something like that. Like downfield too. A- Mac played a Joe Burrow game. It was very odd. Um, started the game with a pick six, and then Ezekiel Elliott fumbled on the next drive. And then they were like, "Yeah, let's throw the ball 54 times in the rain." But it it worked out kind of well. Like they outgained the Eagles overall, and and other than that beginning stretch, New England kind of did look like the better team, even though I I would stop short of saying that they are. Um. So yeah, the weather was probably part of it, but I, I think they had a good game plan. And like Matt Matthew Judon played a great game. Um the secondary was really, really good. Like it, it, I have been more skeptical of this Patriots defense, I think, than than you have because of the quality of competition that they were so good against last season. To me, even weather aside, watching them do this in in this situation against the Eagles, Gave me a lot of confidence for them.
1: Yeah. And not giving up the deep ball. I thought was a big deal for them. Yeah. Cause, cause that's like the thing that powers the Eagles offense and the run game kind of feeds off of that. And they didn't get that. And I thought that's how new England kind of stayed with them in this game. When on paper, this was a mismatch.
0: Right. They were just, they were never in early downs were tough. So they were always in third and long eliminate some of the stuff that they like to do. It just, it seemed like a lot of things went right. And I wonder if they had hit a few of those explosives early, then things might've sort of gone in a slightly different way. You get a little bit of confidence in, in those parts of the offense, but it just seemed like they had them kind of locked down. And again, they won the game. So (laughs) clearly something was, was going right. Um, but I did not expect this to be anywhere near as competitive as it was even in New England, even, you know, Bill Belichick with an entire offseason to prepare. Um, but the the combination of how well the defense played and then after they after they ceased to be just like a, a comedy of errors. I did. I thought the offense looked not not amazing, but pretty good. Um, they have offensive line problems. Cole Strange and, and Michael onwenu didn't play in this game and that's not fun against the the Philly defense. They definitely felt that it, the first half, especially, I mean, it, everything was so, so, so short, but uh, the quick game sucks. is something that we heard <laughs> Mac or I guess we didn't hear Mac Jones say last year. We watched Mac Jones mouth last year and the quick game doesn't really suck anymore. So we're making progress. Yeah. It's and- better when
1: it's not a defensive coordinator calling it.
0: By the way, employed by the Eagles, Matt Patricia. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's revenge what got game into w. the offense.
1: That's a revenge game. That's a win. That's a W for Patricia. Uh, yeah,
0: he's our first winner.
1: How do you feel about New England ceiling after this game? Has it changed for you?
0: Kind of no. Just because here's the problem is it's not that like I've never thought that they were gonna be bad. I do th- I think they're a little bit better. I'm just not I I I trust the defense more, which definitionally means that I think that they are a better team than I did 10 hours ago or whatever. <laughs> also, we just talked about the Miami Dolphins. Right. The Bills and the Jets are going to play tomorrow night, so who knows? Like maybe they're just not beating these teams. Right. So
1: the Dolphins are just going to melt their faces off if they play like that.
0: Well, they're, they're playing. Are they playing next week? I think that's going to be an interesting one. That's in particular. The Miami run defense thing is going to be, we're going to learn a lot about that side and also a lot about what this Patriots offense wants to be. I think in that situation, I imagine after having watched what the Chargers just did, they would want to lean on their run game a lot more than they did today. I think it was just, you know, regardless of the conditions. Against Philly, that's just hard. um Ramondre was much more effective at, at, as a pass catcher than in, in the running game, especially with no guards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you don't have guards, you can't that's really run. A like
0: fair it, point. <laughs> when,
1: it, from what little I saw, I saw like a couple of perimeter screens to running backs, where it was almost like they were trying to replicate the run game but do it outside of the numbers, do rather than it, just get it to over run there. In between, yeah, like, can we just do a run play out there instead?
0: Yeah. Um, it was, it was not great. If, if there's something Mac Jones, Matt, uh, Matt, Bill O'Brien, whatever the real, like, is this offense going to be okay this year is just how hurt is their offensive line? Are they going to get these guys back? What is it going to be a revolving door? Um, because that does look not, not unconcerning. Um, but still so far, so good. Kendrick Bourne remains good at football. Would have been nice to have that guy last year. Oh, wait, they did. You want to hit, hit us with a first loser?
1: Yeah, the Seahawks. Uh, 30 to 13. I did not see this Dude, one coming.
0: This was the weirdest. This was the weirdest result of the of the day.
1: Can we name 20 Rams combined? Me and you? I don't know if we can. Uh, but they beat up on the Seahawks. They They wrote off Matthew Stafford, and he did not write back. 334 yards, looks sharp, looks skinny. He scrambled for a first down. He was doing no look passes, sidearm passes. Like it looked like the old Matthew Stafford. Here's my issue. I'm going to throw some cold water on the ramps. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to call it hype because I don't know what people are talking about them, but early downs, it was bad. They can't run the ball. The offensive line still isn't that good. This was just Stafford magic on third down. And I don't know how sustainable that is going forward. And that's my concern. But like for now, Tutu Atwell, 119 yards. He only Kukana weighs like 118 Kua. pounds. That's more yards than pounds.
0: Oh my god! Do you think that's has that ever been done before? That's got to be an NFL first. We did no, because
1: <laughs> no, because people have gone for like 250 <laughs> yards in a game. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Too much uh, New England said. passing game you've been watching.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Tyreek Hill probably did that today. Right. All right. Whatever. Never mind. Look, the Rams aren't going to be good. No, but I do like I went to a Rams training camp practice last month and I kind of had to sell it as like, no, I this is a weird roster. I just want to get a look at it because it was like, well, why do you want to go see the Rams? And these are the types of things that are too embarrassing to get caught up in during training camp. But I was kind of like, they just seem really happy. Like for all of the angst around that franchise, all of those, there's just like a bunch of 19 year olds running around. And Sean McVay is like, ah, I can teach you about the fundamentals. And it seemed like they kind of liked what was going on. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to work. What happened to the Seahawks?
1: Uh, it, the same stuff that happened to him last year in the second half. This was almost like a perfect microcosm of their season last year where it started off well. Like, they were good in the first half, falls apart in the second half. They lose both their tackles. Uh, they could run the ball, which is a good sign, but they just – no time in the pocket for Gino. Nobody could get open against man coverage. It was, it was a rough look for the offense in ways that we saw last year, which is a big concern for me. Because we thought, like, the offseason fixed their problems. So far through one game, it
0: has not. Defensively, too, absolutely no pressure on Stafford. Um, Especially on third
1: down. Right. Stafford was like, I, I think he averaged like 0. 0.6 EPA on third down, which is double Mahomes last year, essentially, and a 60% success rate. Seems pretty good. So, But like the, the one thing, if you're a Seahawks fan, like you look at the early down success, they totally shut the Rams down on first and second down. But then on like third and long and second and long, like second second down passing downs, he, he was lights out. So you, it, it might be a coverage thing, which is a concern because that's supposed to be the strength. But the defense doesn't look fixed. I'll say that.
0: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something to watch. All right. Next loser from me, the Bengals and the $275 million man, Joe Burrow. Very bad game. Uh, the Browns beat the Bengals 24 to three. You just said that, that Matt Stafford averaged 0.6 EPA per play on, on third downs. Is that right? Yes. So Joe burrow negative 0.65 EPA per play on all of the downs, just in general, not amazing, not a good day. A lot of career lows, 82 yards. Um, Jake Browning went into this game with six minutes left, which is just not, not what you want to see. I would not ring a ton of alarm bells off, uh, out of this. The Bengals seem to always start slow. They started and two last year. They were three and two to start the, the season the year before. Obviously Burrow was out for a lot of training camp, the preseason with the calf injury. I did think it looked like it was affecting him. Um, The Browns' pass rush looked great. Jim Schwartz with that front seven, I think, is going to be super, super feisty. They blitzed him a ton. And so some of that is just credit where it's due to Cleveland, but it did. It looked to me like when he, you know, when the pocket was sort of cinching in on him, he wasn't, he didn't really want to move and he didn't look super comfortable. As referenced, it was misting. So. Mist is you tough. Mist <laughs> they made is a movie tough.
1: about that. There's a movie called The Mist. It's a horror movie.
0: How do you rank The Mist, the the recovery from the calf injury, the good defense, the stopping excuses, Brown this was a all. disaster, the Orlando Brown versus Miles Garrett of it all, on the, like, wh- how do all of these, add all of that together, what does it equal out to in I, terms of Bengals' concern for I, you? I
1: think it's the calf. Like you look at the play calling, ninety-eight percent shotgun rate, and that tells me they didn't want him dropping back from under center. Right. Ninety-eight is almost funnier than a hundred because it's like they did one. <laughs> Why did not you do center? it that one time? Like, why'd you do it the one time?
0: Was it like, a kneel down?
1: I, I don't know. I have to. I have to go back and look. But it was. It was only. I it, hope was it only, wasn't. It's was only like one. Yeah. Me too. If it was the first play of the game, and they're like, "I oh, screwed this." Oh Scrapped god, the whole yeah, play. this
0: is a bad idea.
1: But, but yeah, he didn't like. Like you said, he almost went out sad at times. Like it was like he. These are times when we see Burrow usually make a play, and he didn't even try. There He was throwing underneath a bunch. It didn't look like Joe Burrow. It's not like he failed in the ways that he usually succeeds. So that's why I'm not very concerned. I'm kind of concerned about the missed having such a big effect on him because he does have the smaller hands and it tends to rain in football games. I just think it's funny that- Especially in the
0: AFC North.
1: The funniest part is that all of the AFC North quarterbacks can't hold on to the football. (laughs) Like Deshaun Watson is terrible in bad weather. Joe Burrow can't, can't throw in the rain. Kenny Pickett has to wear gloves at all times, even in perfect weather. Lamar Jackson fumbles all the time. He had a couple fumbles today. What happened to the AFC North?
0: Okay, I, don't, I mean, but this has not historically been a Joe Burrow issue. Um, I, I also just—do you have rain stats? Mist can't be that big of a deal. It looked like a big deal today. Those
1: throws look <laughs> bad. Like Joe Burrow doesn't miss. He's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He does not miss this bad. I think, I think it was the mist.
0: I rank calf above mist. I, I rank. I'm ranking rust. Calf mist. Mist, like, definitionally, it just hangs there in the air. It doesn't do anything. Like, i you know it affects your grip on the ball. He has small hands. Are, are you gonna, are I... you here to tell me? Are you here to tell me that okay, downpour versus mist. Downpour has to be worse, right?
1: Yes. One would think. I don't know. There's more water.
0: But as would I. I'm not a
1: scientist.
0: <laughs> so just just if it was a little. Like, the way they were describing this was like it was high humidity out there or something. The weather was bad. I'm mostly just kidding. I'm not that worried about Joe Burrow, but no, this I was ugly.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I'm worried about the calf, though. But I think, like, they're the different explanations apply to different reasons why they were bad. They were bad for a lot of reasons today. So I don't think it was just, like, the, the, the off-target throws for Burrow because of the miss. I don't think it was the fact that he couldn't move because of the calf. I think it was, like, a lot of things that explained certain facets of their poor
0: performance. Well, and the weather thing I think is important in the sense that they just don't have the balance offensively for games like this, especially against a really good defense. I mean, for all of the trouble that Burrow was having for all of the 82 yards of it all, he, he still threw the ball 31 times. Um, it's not that high for him, but also there just weren't that many offensive plays in this game they ran the ball 17 times. So uh, just the way that they operate, things kind of need to be going well. And when they're going well, they're going super well. The, the thing that is sort of true, I wouldn't say it's a concern just because we've seen the Bengals be a really, really good offense with this being true now going on years is just that they execute high degree of difficulty things to make their offense go. And they just have done it consistently enough that we're like, okay, yeah, you're going to throw a lot of one-on-one balls and, and, and win them. Um, But when it gets disjointed like this, they don't have, they don't have much, they still don't have much of a run game to fall back on. They don't have, they just don't have that balance. And I think in the weather, it comes out more when Burrow's off his game, it comes out, uh, out more when, the injury is a factor. It comes out more. And then again, when you're playing a, a good defense with a coordinator who shows up and and I think senses the weakness with Burrow not wanting to move around a ton, blitzed him on over half of his dropbacks. It was the highest rate um, Burrow's ever been blitzed in his career. And it's just all a bad formula. So I think this is more just about today but there are some things where this is never going to be the type of game that the Bengals are are designed to be awesome in. And some of that eventually they will either have to fix or it'll be a recurring problem.
1: Yeah. And I think if it's the calf, like you're not worried long-term, although calf injuries tend to linger a little bit. But I think like eventually by the time you get to January, which is when Cincinnati is trying to get to, I, I, I think he'll be fine.
0: Me too. All right. What's up next?
1: All right, my next winner are the Packers, the 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 team that I picked to win the, the Jordan NFC Jordan
0: Love hype train. Two hundred
1: and forty five yards, three touchdowns, fifteen to twenty seven. I think this looked like the Packers team we expected to see last year. Like the formula, the defense looked great, the pass rush looked great going up against the Bears. Granted, uh, the offense it wasn't quarterback centric. Like it was, it was more Aaron Jones centric. It was more run game centric, uh, making things easier for the quarterback rather than just putting everything on his plate. Like it was in the past with Aaron Rodgers, because that's how he wanted the offense set up. I, I Everything you wanted to see out of the Packers in week one, if you're a Packers fan, you got, I thought you saw defensive improvement. I think you saw a, a stouter front. I thought you saw better play calling. And I, I think the quarterback helps having a quarterback who isn't as picky as Aaron Rodgers. Although it works because, like, if you have Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, placate him. But I, I just think it makes this offense better because you don't have... When you don't have Devontae Adams, it's harder to do the things that Aaron
0: Rodgers liked to right. do. Right.
1: And I think this is more of a team effort.
0: They were running the bootlegs. They were in a 51-yard screen. They were saying anything on the broadcast. Right. They were saying on the, the broadcast... That um, Brian Gutekunst was like going crazy in the box, <laughs> and that he was just like so into it. It does seem like they're they're excited to be having this success, excited to show the creativity and the play designs that that they can run with Jordan Love. I'm sure it's all you know the Aaron Rodgers of it all is is a piece of the puzzle. Um, but I mean, 38 points coming out there the Packers you know the Packers love to beat up on the Bears getting off on that foot as they transition into this new era with Jordan Love having those young defenders look really really good um and feisty after that defense underperformed so much last season like it, that's a good day in Green Bay I don't know how right. it gets all that much better than that other than Especially- Aaron Jones looking amazing and then hurting his hamstring
1: and it's against Chicago, and Chicago did not look good. This was a team that I think people thought were was on the rise, or, or or that was the thinking. At least they, this was supposed to be a new season, a new offense, and it looked a lot like last year. It looked a lot like Justin Fields. Please do something fun and bail us out, right? Because this offense has like nothing to offer beyond that at this point. It's Fields' legs, and that's it.
0: Even the things that they've done to try to make it better. I mean, DJ Moore and Chase Claypool were were not factors offensively so the things that they'd it it all it looked identical to what it had been right like the things that they'd in theory even done were not showing up in terms of how they were playing and and exactly like you said it was just sort of just justin do something save us
1: and the offensive line wasn't there a lot of pressure and I I thought like Fields didn't get any help whatsoever, and it was just him on his own. But at the same time, like, help yourself out. Like, play – he he needs to get rid of the ball. His timing is just still off. And then I, I just feel like every game, when there's a play that can win the game for them or not lose the game for for them, he makes the worst play possible. And you saw it again with the late fumble. I It's tough to, to talk yourself into him at this point. We're in year three at, at – I feel like in the NFL right now in today's NFL, you know by now, and the Bears right. don't know, which is a red flag
0: and they haven't and they are complicit in not helping him out enough, but I agree with you, but it's just the the time is now. All right. You know who else's time is now? Calvin Ridley's time is now. The Jaguars He's are my back. next winner. He's extremely back. six hundred and eighty six days absent from the NFL, like he hadn't even missed a moment. win against the Colts. Colts actually did some some good things in this. Anthony Richardson um, was not perfect, but I thought played a really encouraging game. Um, But I think Calvin Ridley is going to have a million receiving yards in this offense, and it just looked like his connection with Trevor Lawrence was great. Uh, This was the first game with Press Taylor now calling plays in Jacksonville, which Ian Rapport had the exclusive on before the game started this afternoon. That seemed a little sus for a while. Um, they were playing well, but the offense just seemed a little... They were really struggling with the Colts' defensive line, and it it didn't always seem to me like he remembered that Trevor Lawrence is a great athlete and that he can move around and try to mitigate some of that for himself. Um, but later on in the game, he's rolling out a little bit more, just getting on the move a little bit more using that athleticism. Um, overall, you know, they put up 31 points. And again, I, I do think that that Colts defensive line was pretty impressive to force Buckner in particular was, was really, really good. Uh, but the Ridley factor is just exciting. if, we're looking to see if the Jaguars can, can really take another leap here, which I know, Stephen, you you are tuned to see if that happens. What did you think of this game?
1: I thought the fact that he's... Calvin Ridley has earned Trevor's trust this quickly. And, like, there were some throws where it takes a lot of trust to make them. There was that one throw on the run where Trevor Lawrence fitted into a, a window that didn't exist, and somehow it got to... The- to Ridley somehow still?
0: The audacity of that pass. that was it, it was like arrogant in all of the best ways, but clearly, as you said, he felt, he felt good about making it. And to
1: make that pass in your first real game with the guy, I just thought was unreal. Uh, we were talking before the show that this was a game that the Jaguars used to lose a, a bunch, but then in the fourth quarter, it wasn't even close. And I think that's new. That's different for them. Right. Uh, And I think that's a great sign for them learning how to win.
0: Colts, nothing to be ashamed of of here. I thought, you know, they really like Richardson really struggled situationally. They were one for five on fourth down tries, um, one touchdown on on three tries in the red zone. So some of that stuff, I mean, it's his first game. Um, But I think you got a clear picture of what Steichen wants to do with him. You saw him do some of the Jalen Hurt stuff. They actually even ran the tush push, um, right. the, the, the push sneak. It didn't work, but it was cool to see them try.
1: We should but, have Richardson be the one that pushes. He's so big. Yeah, that
0: would be better. That would be a better idea. But it was just, you can, you know, it's it's satisfying, I think, in the early days of the season to see the things that we talk about and think about sort of come together and you can see the blueprint for how that offense will work. Um, that offense I think will work much better with Jonathan Taylor, uh, who is replacement. Deion Jackson lost two fumbles and rushed for 14 yards on 13 carries. So not so far. So good. Um, And maybe they might want to get that fixed because it seems like there might be some good elements of this offense and your star running back would be a help.
1: And there was space in the run game to take advantage of. And the only explosive I can think of was really the Pittman screen pass that went for the touchdown. Like, yeah, this offense needs Jonathan Taylor so badly and it's so obvious. And there's such an obvious solution to the problem.
0: You don't you don't want to build the whole plane out of second and 28 screens to Michael Pittman. I do not. It was a a great play. It worked out. It just, yeah, I think that's, I think that's sound decision-making. Anything else on Anthony Richardson? I
1: thought he looked good and I thought the offense looked viable with him back there. I thought they're going to be able to run the ball at least. And when they get to the red zone, he's going to be a weapon. He looked like the best rookie quarterback to me out of all three of them. I thought CJ Stroud showed me enough. I guess we could just skip ahead to my next L because my next L is the Panthers. and Yeah, let's do it. It's, it's the first game. Let me say this. It's the first game. It's Bryce Young's first game. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. I'm saying that to myself. But there's <laughs> no way you can watch that game and feel good about what you saw if you're a Panthers fan. Especially if you watch CJ Str- Stroud and Richardson play. He looked bad he looked bad in the ways that you worried he'd look bad and he looked very right. small. That was my concern with him and 146 yards, two interceptions and they were the same interception to Jesse Bates.
0: Both the over Jimmy the middle of the field. Do you, I mean do you think it was a height thing? Because it, <sighs> it it was such a big question with him but it also was something that in in college was not that wasn't on his film that wasn't a big it hadn't it hadn't burned him in the past.
1: Right. I I don't think it was. I think it was more just a lack of field vision. Like it was a side to side thing. It wasn't like I can't see what's in front of me. He just didn't see Jesse Bates both times and I don't think he took the time to look him off.
0: I mean Jesse Bates too. Like it it was concerning that he made that that he made the same play twice that he threw the same pick twice. It was a good play by Bates too. I mean for two interceptions and a forced fumble. big the biggest offseason signing for the the Falcons. They've got to be super happy that he was out there making plays. It It's not great that it happened twice for, Bre- but like there are worse interceptions in the world that he could have made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And here's my concern though. Like you, you watch Richardson and he did the things you expect, like the running stuff you watch Stroud and he did the things you expect, like the passing stuff, like passing over the middle of the field, being a pocket passer, you watch young and you've got none of the playmaking stuff that you expected, none of it. Right. And then none of the pocket stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's hard. We can't say that his game has translated yet. And that's a big question mark
0: with him. It's just week one, but not, not starting off on the right foot. Um, Bijan Robinson, a lot of ways. Oh, Oh, that was a good pick, but, uh, yeah great pick we talk
1: about about this offense and and what they're doing to fantasy guys everywhere
0: (laughs) at one point drake (laughs) london funniest it's the funniest they're the the funniest team in the nfl
1: (laughs) arthur smith has a vendetta against fantasy and he's he's just gonna he's got an axe to grind they had zero touches at one point in the game like late in the, the first half drake london and kyle pitts your two best weapons on the offense and he's just not using them I don't know if it's a Ritter thing a trust in Desmond Ritter because that was not an NFL I think
0: it's just fun for him I think he just likes doing this I think he would like I think Arthur Smith would like nothing more than for them to win a game this year where Desmond Ritter throws no more than eight passes Maybe no more than five. Like, I cannot wait. I hope we are back here at the end of the season and we take the time to go revisit what the Falcons win with the fewest passing attempts was. And then we will go back. We will rewind the tape and Arthur Smith will never have smiled so wide and so happily and with so much more emotional truth than on that sideline in that circumstance. He's just a sicko. This is just like, this is his thing.
1: I, I guess that makes sense. Uh, I mean, the other thing is like the offensive line couldn't really protect Ritter, but you have to throw the ball downfield at some reasons.
0: point. No, you don't. I don't. He would beg to differ.
1: At one, wait, wait. at one point in the game, Desmond Ritter was four for four for zero yards and one touchdown.
0: These people are disturbed. It's a disturbed organization that is just like it's it's just performance art, but it's not that bad. It's also like what they're doing as an offense is secondary, to be clear. Again, like the Falcons only make sense if you understand them as just like a a long, elaborate bit, Mm -hmm. but it happens to kind of work.
1: I mean, it worked this week. I don't know how it's going to work next week, but you you have to be able to pass the ball. And the fact that, I mean, if they don't trust Ritter that much, that's like an indictment of their own planning for the season because they don't have a backup.
0: Yeah, but I I just don't think that it's like, I don't think that it's a trust. They don't care. I just, they just don't care. They don't care about the passing game. The passing game is completely irrelevant to them. They think it's stupid. They think it's passe.
1: What if they play the Chiefs or the Dolphins? What are they going to do?
0: I don't know, but it'll be funny. (laughs) Okay. The Falcons are not the best team in the NFL, but they are the funniest. And you know what? The funniest team in the league is 1-0. So. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well we had a tough L for the preseason. The preseason champion Pittsburgh Steelers lost 30 to seven to the 49ers, the biggest margin of defeat at home for the Steelers during the Mike Tomlin era. The Pittsburgh ones had five offensive drives together during the preseason. All of them were touchdown drives. Unfortunately, the preseason has ended and with five minutes left in the first half, they had one single yard, of total offense.
1: It was a great yard. Against though.
0: the 49ers. <laughs> it was an incredible yard. It was great. I don't remember what yard it was. Do you remember what the actual yard was? No, I don't. I don't. It was a good yard. I mean, they had to cherish it. Uh, this was bad. Um, Pickett did not look good. He was missing all over the place. A lot of high throws. 49ers look great. Um, But beyond... TJ Watt looking very good against Colton McKibbitts who had a rough outing, um, for the 49ers. So I think right tackle is definitely going to be a concern. there. just not a lot to write home about in the positive column, um, for the Steelers who had felt like sort of a preseason darling. So that was a, that was a surprise to me because they had looked really good. Um, and San Francisco's a a tough opponent, but the performance coupled with the fact that Cam Hayward, Friarmouth, Deontay Johnson all left the game at various points with injuries. This was not, not what she wanted to see in week one.
1: And you can't have... I feel like you can't have this type of season with Pickett. Like the up and down season. And this this first week, it's going to be hard to overcome this first week. But what I mean is I think he has to show you each and every week that he's the guy for them to invest in him going forward. Because like... Right. You're going into a draft with a lot of good quarterback prospects, like even beyond Drake May and Caleb Williams. If you watch these guys on Saturday, there are at least like four legit first round prospects in this draft. So I feel like you have to have a high bar if you're Pittsburgh. And so far, like this first one, like I agree with you. Like he looked frantic. He looked, he looked all over the place. Like, I I don't know. He didn't look confident like he did in the preseason. And I thought that was the the good sign from, from August was, Pickett looked different from last year last year he looked like he was never I, I don't he didn't have the timing down right and in preseason he did but then it was it was more of the same it's it's rough and i i think it's hard to if you're mike tomlin it's it's tough to get this team back after after that bad of uh a game in week one
0: well these these are the 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 franticness is what you need him to not do because he's not like, he doesn't have right. Amazing, amazing, amazing tools to fall back on. It's you're hoping that he's going to develop and that he's going to make good decisions. And I mean, I don't know that it was, I I think accuracy was the bigger issue than not making good choices and not being able to process, but he just looked freaked out. And for all the you know okay here's the guy who just had to walk across the street to a new building on the same block at, you know coming from college to to the pros feel like the thing that they've always sold him as is just sort of like he knows what he's doing and and a lot of that is silly but this is not that um Pittsburgh was not favored to win this game so it's not you know that's it's no huge upset, but it was, it, it just destroyed a lot of positive momentum, I think. Yeah. Um, I think
1: that's what's tough to come back from. Right. The high of the preseason and then the low of this back to back.
0: The, the preseason crows were suffocated at altitude <laughs> and <laughs> fell down onto the streets of Pittsburgh. We have our first casualty, unfortunately. Uh, San Francisco looks great. Um, Brock Purdy looks healthy. Congratulations to the 49ers for for their deep NFC playoff run. Um, see, see you there.
1: Right. 152 yards for uh, McCaffrey.
0: I have nothing to say. Like, they just, Brandon Ayuk was incredibly open. Um, Brock had to point and shoot, and that was fine. And it's helpful that he's got a little bit of mobility. And these players are incredible. And the defense is really good. And this offense runs itself.
1: This is what they looked like before Brock hurt his elbow. Like they didn't, right. w- they didn't lose a game after getting McCaffrey. Right. In the it lineup. just
0: looks exactly the same. So. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, next winner from you.
1: Oh, uh, the Raiders, Jimmy G. 17 to 16 over the Broncos in Denver in September. That's more impressive than like no one wins in Denver in September. That's an impressive win. Jimmy G was fourth in scramble rate this week. 10% of his dropbacks ended in a scramble, including the game clinching play when the Broncos had no timeouts under two minutes. Jimmy Uh, wheels. And he was he was good. Like, don't let the 17 to 16 score fool you. This was a, a decent offensive showing for both sides. It was just a, a short game, only six possessions, I think, for both sides. But Jimmy averaged like 0. 0.4 EPA per play. That's Shanahan numbers. He looked exactly the same as he did with the 49ers, which is a good sign for, for Josh McDaniels. It's a good sign yeah. for Jimmy. I don't know. Maybe Kyle wasn't the guy that was propping him up. <laughs>
0: Who are you? What have you done with Steven? It's
1: one game. It's one game. They scored 17 points, but he did look good. And he looked the same as he did in San Francisco, which is a good sign.
0: Yeah. Uh, He just doesn't like, there is something with all of the fourth quarter comebacks. um, You know, he goes on that drive. He's four for five for 60 yards. um, Had the great connection with Jacoby Myers. Like Jimmy is not a perfect quarterback. And sometimes this can be frustrating because when he messes up, it's like he seems so chill about it, but he is a really, really unflappable human being. And it's not the worst quality in the world for a quarterback. Um, Myers seems like that's working out really well so far to start. And then, you know, it's nice to have Devonte Adams on your team. Those two were the the bulk of the pass catching targets.
1: Yeah. Myers did leave with a, a head injury late in the game. It was like, see, this is the problem with Jimmy G is he just throws over the middle blindly and he did throw Myers into a huge hit and that was kind of scary. Right. But like I said, like it, there, were, there were Jimmy mistakes. He threw a pick in the end zone that was tipped up. <laughs> but if you're getting 90% of San Francisco Jimmy G, that's a good deal for the Raiders.
0: What did you think of Russ?
1: I thought he looked better. He looked a little faster, but uh, I mean, he's still Russ from last year for the most part, just in a better offense, just with a better coach. Uh, I think it's going to take time for Sean Payton to figure out like what buttons he has to push every week. Cause there were flashes of, of good things. Two minute before the half, they, they drive down to get some points. Russ got outside the pocket on both touchdown uh, throws. That looked like throwback Russ, but there were a couple of times when he got caught from behind by pass rushers. So jury's still out on him, still on a washed watch, but looked better.
0: I'd be curious to see how they try to layer in some explosives because it is, you know, he's always, on any given day, Russell Wilson is choosing a different version of Drew Brees to be, and you never know which one it's going to be. <laughs> and a lot of this was the Dink and Dunk version which seemed like it was probably for the best in terms of efficiency and and you know they didn't put up a lot of points but they had some solid drives um and it was a lot more functional than it was at a lot of times last year but they just they you know it didn't it didn't seem like there was anything particularly explosive going on there and I'll be curious to see if and when they try to incorporate that also seemed like They were having big problems with Max Crosby, which I think a lot of teams are going to have this year.
1: Yeah, not a surprise. And Wilson only had one scramble and it went for one yard, Uh, no real deep balls. So I think that those are the the two things that are missing from his game outside of him looking good, throwing on the run. We didn't see the scrambles. We didn't see the deep balls. And that's where the big plays come from for him.
0: Right. All right. My next loser. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, The Giants lost 40 to nothing to the Cowboys on Sunday night football in an unmitigated disaster of a football game. I am not overreacting to this result in terms of what it says about these teams. I think the primary thing that this result says about these teams is that the Cowboys have Micah Parsons, who is insanely good. Just speaking about what transpired this evening, wow, this was incredibly ugly and bad. It was over in like five minutes. In like five minutes.
1: The Giants Twitter account tweeted out like game time. And it was like a, I don't know, like a hype tweet. And then the next tweet was like the final score. No in-game (laughs) tweets.
0: Life comes at you fast. They didn't even
1: get off like a like a first down in the first quarter tweet.
0: Eli Manning had to go out there at halftime wearing a jersey and like hold up a a prop check for some lovely philanthropic effort. And it was just like, I mean, Daniel Jones got sacked seven times. But that I mean, most of those were in the first half, like at a certain point, it was just like. Mercy. Right. Uh, I I haven't watched a football game go this badly since since the Sam Darnold seeing ghosts game, I think. And maybe maybe not even that. This I I just the Giants can't possibly be this bad. I do think the Cowboys are really good, but whoo!
1: It was like the Cowboys didn't even start I mean, in the second half did they try?
0: No. Except for, like, sometimes they were, t- it, th- this was the problem, um, was that it would be like, okay, they're just, they, everyone's just chilling here, it's fine, like, we, we're all right. going to go home in an hour or so. Uh, but then Micah Parsons was sometimes definitely still trying. <laughs> yeah, he never stops. He's unbelievable. But, like, um, like Dak, Dak threw for
1: 143 yards, but it's, like, not a problem just because they didn't have it to throw the ball. They didn't <laughs> have to, to. Do any, Like Mike McCarthy barely had to call plays. I think Chris Collinsworth said like the game was over before he even called plays. Uh,
0: it honestly would have been rude if he'd thrown the ball a lot.
1: Right. I, I think this says a lot about Dallas's defense. I don't know what it says about the offense. I think like we don't really know what to, to make of the offense, but that defense, Oof. if they stay healthy, I think, and I think Micah Parsons might get
0: 25 sacks this year. He is so scary. Like it was just an unbelievably dominant and he only had like it's not on the stat sheet. He had one sack, but he was impacting every single play and just driving people into each other. It, it, they're going to be really, really, really good. Um, Yeah, it's ju- it's just about health, but. They are my best defense in the NFL. I think I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm good with that. Okay, that's fair. I have not like I have nothing else on this game. It was just such a disaster. The, the, it it's... was,
1: it was over in ten minutes. Like I, I, I don't take too much away from it. Even for New York, I just think everything that could go wrong went wrong in weird ways. I think you just burn the tape and move on. Yeah. If you're Brian yeah. Dayball, you do one of those like gimmicks that coaches do where they like like literally burn the tape or bury it.
0: So he started the night wearing the like FDNY hat and he took it off. And I think I'm sure he just wanted to take his hat off, but I was like, does Brian Dable feel like he's disrespecting the fire department? That's like, let's, that is what happened. That's canon. Let's leave them out of it. They don't need to be associated with this honestly again it's it was the right choice it's a good man next loser
1: uh the vikings They're uh i think it was an 11 game win streak in one possession games finally comes to an end they lose to baker mayfield at home i mean if you were worried about regression with this team this is the game you were worried about like every another team everything that could go wrong went wrong with turnovers
0: them. 57-yard field goal.
1: Weird turnovers, like, too.
0: Like and, Kirk like, Cousins. weird third down stats. It's just, like, every every regression thing came back to bite they, them.
1: Yeah, they averaged 30 yards per drive. Tampa Bay averaged 16 yards per drive and won the game. <laughs> like, these are the games that the Vikings won last year. Now they know how it feels to be on the other side of it.
0: <laughs> we had to divvy up. Um, like we divvy up which games we're going to talk about uh, before we do the show. And this was the one we were going, we were like going through all of them. And it was just very clear that this one was left. And I was like, Steven, we're playing, we're playing a hot potato with Kirk and Baker. And Steven just slacks me. I will take the potato.
1: It wasn't that bad of a potato. I have to say that. Like Baker looked okay. He looked like Baker. Kirk looked fine for the most part. Uh, Justin Jefferson looked amazing. I think the one I think the one good thing you can take from this if you're a Vikings fan that you feel better about this team than you did last year is the fact that the defense looked okay. Yeah. Uh especially on third down. Brian Flores, the blitz stuff he did I thought really worked, uh especially early on. So, that's encouraging. I don't know about the rest. I don't know about the offense. Like the run game really wasn't there. Kirk was under pressure at times. But he made throws downfield and i thought I thought it was just a weird game for them and i I just thought it was bad luck so I mean, as lucky as they were last year, that's how unlucky they were on sunday
0: uh Garrett Bradbury went out with a back injury for the Vikings, which is a little bit of a a concern yeah. just because that's an injury that he's struggled with before and dealt with last year, so that's not not amazing. It's gonna be funny when the when the Baker Mayfield Buccaneers win the NFC South. That's all. (laughs) It's just going to be funny. That's okay. I'm not. Things are funny sometimes. All right, my last loser is the Tennessee Titans. They lose to the Saints, uh, 16 to 15. Ryan Tannehill just stunk. But that's why the Titans are a loser. Their their defense was actually pretty good. um, But Tannehill completed under half of his passes. He threw three interceptions he was pretty heavily pressured which definitely affected him but he was just forcing the most telegraphed throws to DeAndre Hopkins that's what led to two of the interceptions i i mean my my takeaway from this game is that we might see Malik Willis play for the Titans again which is funny because i didn't think that i would ever see that um he was the backup with Will Levis inactive today which confirmed i think we already had a sense that he was he was the backup there, but they made that pretty official by doing that. And I, Tannehill just can't put in that many more games like this before they have to do something um, because he looked really, really rough. Derek Carr looks like Derek Carr. He took a lot of pressure. Um, Trevor Penning in particular really struggled for New Orleans. And, uh, you know, Carr did the same sort of skittish when he feels like the pocket's collapsing stuff that uh, – he looks like Derek Carr, but, um, both of these defenses I thought looked, looked like they had something. Um, Carr was better than, than Tannehill. But that's just not, not saying very much at all.
1: I didn't see any of this game and I'm happy. I didn't now that I saw the final score. Uh, I, I do think the Saints' defense was a little underrated going into the season,
0: and I think that's yeah, they, the one. They th- looked good.
1: I think that's the one thing in this division that you can bank on, outside of the, the Falcons running the ball sixty percent of the time every game. I, I want to see more of out the of the time.
0: It works every time. <laughs> they and
1: they have the pieces on offenses on offense to have something there, but I think you need to see more out of Derek Carr as a playmaker, and that's always been the question mark with him. Every time I looked at this game, like on red zone, and they were the Saints were in the red zone. It was just Derek Carr kind of just running around aimlessly.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean he away. he he looked like Raiders Derek. Like he just looked like Derek Carr. Which I mean, I don't know what else you thought you're going to see. Um, not you, but you know the general you. I I do think that he, the Saints had multiple turnovers. They were hit like they weren't fluky. Um, there was one right before halftime where Amani Hooker just sort of sat on his own and carr kind of underthrew a ball and it was just an incredibly easy pick because he didn't get it over the first level of defense. But so it's not that it's it's not that it wasn't on him, but I did get a little bit of the feeling from this game that if you take away the turnovers the Saints would have been pretty clearly the more balanced team that had a little bit more going on and and we might have slightly different takeaways here. Now that's that's just because like the quarterbacking for Tennessee was really in a bad way, but they they're okay. Um I if they look like they will be competitive in that division to me. There were eight field goals in this game. It's a lot of field goals. It's a lot of field goals.
1: I mean <laughs> The Tannehill thing, I I, I do think it's a, a conversation we have to have, especially with the state of the franchise. This was kind of a, I don't know, the roster just was turned over. This is a, this is a weird year for this team. I, I don't want to give. He's a-
0: got to sit at some point. Like I, it, I mean, either he will, either he completely turns this around, which doesn't seem particularly likely. I mean, we'll see. You know, it's week one, but. If he's going to play like this, there's no there's no reason for him to be starting these games. Right. Because de- like development or just losing is ultimately going to going to put them in a better spot. So yeah, I, I, to me it seemed like okay, the clock starts now. And if he doesn't turn it around quickly, then we will see Willis.
1: Yeah, I I mean and with Levis not being the number two, and I know he got injured in preseason, but he's being outplayed before then. And based on reports, he's being outplayed in camp also. <sighs> like, you almost want to, you don't want to bring up the tank word with them. But you do wonder if they, if their long-term vision takes precedent over their short-term vision. If it gets bad in a hurry. If they're like 0-3, I, I do well, wonder if the, that's the when.
0: Titans are- this is always the thing with them is that it is every time you think that they are making a decision for the long term, then the next day they do something reflexive. That seems like it's all about the short term and vice versa. So what, so yeah. And, and we'll see, I guess. Um, They haven't won a
1: game since Thanksgiving. I think that's worth pointing out.
0: (laughs) So it seems like it would be the time to think about the, to think about the long term, but I, I just I don't know they are they are one of the stickiest teams in league I think when it comes to that where just they will convince themselves that they are still in it or when you think that that's what they always do then they will offload a bunch of of veteran talent like they did in in a lot of ways this offseason I, I, conflicting impulses from from Tennessee. All right, let's take one more break and then we have just one final game to get to before we get out of here.
2: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster This episode
1: is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
0: All right, we're back. Steven, I think it is your turn to close us out with Commander's Cardinals. I didn't watch this game. I just ignored it. <laughs> I don't even. Sam I don't want to know who won. Falls in the forest. Do you know who won?
1: No, I'm joking. The, the commanders won twenty to sixteen. Uh, it wasn't the game you wanted to see from Sam Howell. Like it felt like we were watching the commanders team that we've watched for the last three years, where the defense is good, the defense is tough, but the quarterback can't help himself when it's like time to make a play and he he thinks he's superman and uh, like he had a couple of instances where he tried to do too much he ended up fumbling giving the cardinals a touchdown he did come back he did make some plays i think he, he i mean he threw for a touchdown uh off of a little scramble drill but like the timing isn't there the off he doesn't look like a quarterback who's operating the offense as it's supposed to be operated and i think until you see that it's hard to buy in buy into this commander's team being more than what they've been over the last couple of years. But the defense, the defensive line, it's still there. It's still good. I think you could still pencil in this team for seven wins, competitive around 500. By the time we get to uh, December, they're going to be in the wild card race. And th- and then Arizona was a team quarterback by Josh Dobbs. I don't
0: know. We know, you know who's the it. starter. We know the week one starter in Arizona <laughs> now. Congratulations help. Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Whoopsies. Yeah. Well, their own one step in the right direction.
1: One down. Congratulations to, to go. Jonathan
0: Gannon. Yeah, exactly.
1: 15 more games. till Caleb,
0: <laughs> have they come up with their, like, have they come up with the name yet for the tank?
1: There isn't one. It doesn't We've work. Gotta do with that. Caleb,
0: Caleb. C- crash for Caleb.
1: That's the rhyme, right? Flay-
0: I like Flaylip. Okay, I'm going with that. Uh, One more thing before we get out of here. That is all the games from today, by the way. Uh, We're going to do a take purge. Something we just want to get off our chest at the end of the episode. Would you like to go first, Ben? Ben? Oh. (laughs) Wow. I'm canceled. I'm sorry. That was harsh.
1: I'm sorry, Steven. No, it's fine. You know what it is? Uh, it's that I'm that's looking a, that's a at, compliment. I'm
0: looking at our rundown and I see the 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 promo for extra point taken. So I was looking at the word Ben and I saw <laughs> your beautiful face, Stephen, and I just I just flubbed it. I'm it's so a compliment. Sorry.
1: It's a compliment. Uh just yeah you I was, love it, Ben. Uh it was closely related to what we were talking about earlier. And I kind of tiptoed around it. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to spoil my take. Uh, Mike Frabel, first coach fired. Oh, wow. They have, like I said, they haven't won a game since Thanksgiving. He kind of wrestled the power away from John Robinson last offseason. Ram. He's taken over the decision making. It's not working out and it's not looking good for the future. And the quarterback, they just drafted to be the quarterback of the future. Can't even beat out Malik Willis, who they started Josh Dobbs over in a must-win game. So, I mean, if they get to 0-8, do you,
0: do you keep this going? First of all, Josh Dobbs is the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. So, <laughs> put some respect on his name. Yeah, I think you do because I think. His reputation as a coach, which is deserved, will will carry him through this. Um, but the it's just weird. It's the stuff that's happened with their front office. I always, when they fired John Robinson, I felt like we would have a a, a Seth Wickersham like expose right, by yeah. now, where it would be like, and I don't mean that he'd done something wrong, but like just that there was more to the story that they were warring that somebody had done like whatever it was. And it's just never happened. It's just sort of been like, well, maybe we disagreed about AJ Brown. Um, and there does seem to be like a missing, what exactly is the plan here and who is holding the reins and the vibes there are always weird. But I do think that Mike Rabel is a coach who generally speaking gets more with less. um, more so on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball, but I have to think about who I think the, the first coach fired would be. But I, I think he'll keep his. I think he's safe. I think I, he can weather this. I do think it's he's a, a good, good coach. take, though. It's a it's good for the take purge.
1: Right, right. Uh, I do think he's a good coach. I do think he gets like a lot out of his players. It's a vision thing for me. Like, is he the 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 coach for the modern NFL? Are you going to win with that style of play, that approach, that type of philosophy? I don't know.
0: I mean, you know who is his best friend in the coaching ranks is. Stark Belichick?
2: It's
0: just Starter Smith. It's just those two hanging out those being two. like...
1: They should just play each other every Sunday.
0: It would be electric.
1: No, it wouldn't. Just... It would be like 10 to 7. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it would somehow be electric. They should form. They should secede. <laughs> just the Titans and the Falcons. It would be incredible. They would play each other sixteen times, just back to back to back to back to back. And whoever wins more games, they don't have to have a postseason. Somebody, the winner, the the losing team gives the winning team a trophy that just doesn't have. Whoever's on the trophy cannot be throwing a pass. Um, It'll be magical. All right. Yours was like actually football related. So now I feel weird about mine, but here's my take perch. Giant screens are sick. The Patriots did like, because they were doing their whole Tom Brady ceremony. And because it was, it was week one, they were un- unveiling their massive, TV screen, like digital screen that's new at the stadium. Every time a team does one of these things, you know, there's there's, you know, the first one was um, the Cowboys. The one at SoFi Stadium is really, really massive. Teams always like get really into their big screen and talk about it a bunch. And it seems super corny. And then when I look at the screen, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's a cool screen. It's huge. You can see all the stuff on it. Good job.
1: There's nothing like a big TV. I would There's say that. There's like nothing like a, a giant TV. A yeah.
0: TV. Just being able to see it all. It, it spans the width of the stadium. Nothing. Giant screens if are I, sick.
1: That's my take. If I'm shopping for a TV, I'm always like, I could go higher.
0: And even if it's like, and you do the math where it's like your eyes can't really see if the space between the TV and where you're sitting is not. But it's just sort of like, yeah, but it would be so cool. I'm totally with you. Uh, giant screens are sick. That's what I got Put one in Lambo. Put one everywhere, put one in every stadium. Every stadium should have a giant screen.
1: I have a bonus take after today's, uh, sloppy football and love what it. we saw in, in Los Angeles with the dolphins and the chargers football should only mist. be played indoors.
0: No, I hate this one, but I know you love it. Uh, look a compelling Golly, case I, for a compelling case for your side of the argument was made today.
1: You guys just like the idea of bad weather football in practice. No, it's I terrible like to watching watch. it.
0: You I did like not like to the, watch
1: what you saw tonight with the Giants. I
0: like watching. this. I like watching the, the snowflakes come down in the winter. I like watching. I like the absurdity of it. I like that, that we're all talking about whether there was too much mist in in Bengals Browns today, like
1: um,
0: no, but, okay, that's why we're my not point. doing like, this. For,
1: for a bad game. Sure, Cardinals Commanders, all the elements: snow, rain, sleet, all that. Not like Patriots Eagles. Not like Browns Bengals could have been a good game. Just ruined
0: by the elements. Keeps you strong. I would be that's in cool. favor though of. I would be in favor though of a, I mean, this is, it's impossible to enforce because there's two teams in a game, but if there were some way where like, if you're, if you're bad enough, if your record dips below a a certain point or something, maybe it's like the other team's assistant coaches get to like take a garden hose and spray water at you from the sidelines or something throw throw water balloons
1: there was a game i think it was four years ago it was like one of bruce arian's last years in arizona they played in miami and like after the game arians was like it's curious how it only rained when we had the ball and it was like he was accusing (laughs) he was accusing i don't know someone Someone. conspiracy (laughs) they're conspiring against the controlling But he did have a point. It was only raining whenever whenever the Cardinals. And it was like pouring down rain. And they fumbled like every time.
0: I wonder how he feels about the UFO that Aaron Rodgers saw. All right. On that note, I think it's time to end the podcast. Week one, we did it. So many games. So much football. It's very exciting. Hopefully better weather next week. I want that for you, Stephen. This has been the Sunday edition of the Ringer NFL recap show. Next up on the feed, Sheil and Ben will have extra point taken their deep dive of week one. Thank you to Kiara Givens and Eduardo Ocampo for their work on socials and to Isaiah Blakely for producing this episode with additional production supervision by Arjuna Rambapal.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana, 1 800 522 4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1 770 Stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1 800 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call eight hundred three two seven five zero five zero for 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
1: There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Honda Prologue EB. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prolog apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com prolog to learn more.